Greetings, my friends, and merry meet. Today, I'm sharing an interview with the beautiful and talented author, Rachel Henderson. This audio was recorded in early January, but due to a blizzard, then COVID, and another blizzard, I had to put the editing and release of this episode off until now. At some point in the near future, I will release another episode regarding the COVID and the second blizzard. But now, without further ado, here is the interview with Rachel. It says that it's happening. <laughs> it just informed me that recording is in progress. Awesome. Okay. We know it worked that time. <laughs> in fact, I see a little record icon up there. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good. All right. So ladies and gentlemen and non-binaries, uh, I would like to first off say that um, I am recording with Rachel Henderson, who is an author today, and we just recorded part of the episode without recording it. So Rachel has been... Uh, <laughs> incredibly nice and allowed me to start over and didn't laugh at me too much. So thanks, Rachel. Rachel is the author of So Witchy, S-E-W, and um, The Scent of Lemon and Rosemary, both of which are beautiful, wonderful books, and I suggest you get them. They're both uh, published by Llewellyn Books. Uh, Rachel, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself? All right. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, again, my name is Rachel Henderson. I am a witch and a pagan and a sewist. And that's, yeah, that's still just it. <laughs> it's still just as awesome. I love it. <laughs> Not long-winded. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the Hearth and Hedge, Rachel. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. So as I had asked you before... Um, how long have you been a sewist or been sewing? Uh, well, I, from childhood, my, all my aunts and my mom and my grandparents, uh, my grandmother, they all sewed. Um, and I took home economics when I was in middle school. So I'm very familiar with, you know, making little things. But I really got into sewing after my daughter was born. I had been living, after she was born, I couldn't fit into my pre-pregnancy clothes. And I'd been living in the same two pairs of sweatpants the last few months of my pregnancy. And I just couldn't stand to put them back on. So uh, I went to my local Joann's, got some fabric, got a pattern for just some uh, drawstring pants. And I made them and they fit. And I was like, ooh. Oh, I, I, I don't have to go shopping anymore. I hate clothes shopping. I could just make my own clothes. Uh, and then I got into LARP and my friends were like, hey, you can sew. Could you sew our costumes? And I was like, sure, let's do that. So that was my sewing for myself. And then uh, four years after my daughter was born, I got divorced and I hadn't been in the job market for I had been out of a job since she was born so I started sewing for the LARP community for um, little bags and stuff for to sell because that was 2008 which was just uh, the economy crashed and there weren't any jobs and I would had a kid who wasn't even school yet so I was like well this allows me to at least work from home uh, and be there for my daughter while I bring in a little bit of money. That's awesome. LARP costumes are no joke, though. <laughs> <I've> been, <laughs> like I said before, my daughter is interested, and so I've kind of been looking into them. And recently this year, we actually went to a Viking birthday party. Oh, nice. Um, it was a whole weekend for my, my best friend's 50th birthday. Was It was a weekend Viking encampment. And 
uh, we made costumes for that. And those are just, you know, just little things, but that was intense. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot of work. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I normally I'm a, I'm a quilter, so I sew straight lines. And <laughs> yeah, quilting, quilting isn't my thing. For some strange reason, I have never been able to really get, it's too much geometry, I think, and, and that. Understandable. I actually know a lot of people that love to sew clothing, but hate to quilt. So actually most people who sew that I know sew clothing and hate to quilt. <laughs> Must just, you know, different personalities. Type. Yes. Yes. And I don't sew clothing, not because I'm not interested. It just sounds exhausting. Like following a pattern and <laughs> cutting things out. You know, if you just have the little roller cutter and cut straight lines, it just goes real fast. <laughs> but I have mad respect for you on that. So what made you decide to change from being a sewist to a writer? I've always wanted to be a writer. Uh, growing up, that was my goal was when I grew up, I'm going to be an author. I wrote a bunch of really terrible science fiction and fantasy novels. <laughs> uh, but that all kind of like fell to the wayside uh, when I was married, had my daughter, and then had to, uh, and was doing the sewing. And as I was sewing, I was working my craft and my path, my magic into my work. And as I was doing that, I was writing down notes and got to the point where I'm like, oh, I have a whole bunch of notes. I bet I could make like a sewist book of shadows um, and was not really considering sending that out anywhere for publishing. I was like, well, I could like self-publish it or something like that. And I had uh, a person I know, she said, well, why don't you try to find a publisher? And I was like, well, that's a lot of work. And I don't know if I want to set myself up for rejection because it's a very niche idea. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if anybody's going to really be interested in that, but I was like, well, I'll give it a try. And I sent my pitch to Llewellyn and they're like, yeah, we want to publish it. I'm like, oh, well, okay. I guess that's a thing now. <laughs> that's super awesome. It is daunting to think about uh, approaching a publishing company. So I understand where you're coming from being like, oh, ah, ah. but I'm glad that you did because your book is great. Oh, thank you. I love it. And I have not, um, I haven't finished the scent of lemon and rosemary, but I have really been super enjoying it. So, oh, yay! but I'm skipping ahead. We're not on that book yet. <laughs> uh, well, you, you told me why you were inspired to write so witchy. Um, is there a favorite project of yours from So Witchy when you were creating that book? There's a lot that I like. Actually, there are two. Uh, the first one is the crystal bag, which originally was a pattern that I made for dice because when I was sewing, I was sewing for uh, LARP and gaming and that. And so I love it because I, I say in, in the book that it started off as a dice bag where I would have guys come up to me at conventions and stuff and say, oh, we hear you have dice bags with pockets on the inside. I'm like, oh yeah, here they are. And they would look at them and they would be like, why are they all so girly? And because I, you know, if I was going to make a dice bag, I was going to use pretty fabrics and I was using fabric leftover from other projects I was doing. And I would just look them straight in the eye and, like, and I would say, 
because I'm a horrible sexist and I only make gaming supplies for women. What? And all the women around that, all the guys would be like, oh, and all their wives and girlfriends would be like, yeah, give it to me. And so just that was uh, very much like kind of the how my sewing was, where it was very much, I'm going to, you know, I want to make things for women and, you know, not basically not male because uh, the market is very saturated that, you know, any guy can go into any vending room and find tons of things for himself. You can't really do that if you are non-binary or uh, female or female presenting and, and that. So that's, uh, and, and then repurposing it for the uh, book as a crystal, because then I was like, oh, wait, this works perfectly for your crystals or your, your runes or whatever, because there's the pockets and there's like the main chamber that you could put like uh, stuff to charge. And so I like the versatility about that. The other thing I like is the cloak pattern, which um, originally I had not planned on, add, on including any clothing because I had figured everybody's going to know how to make like a tunic and a cape and everything. And my editors came back and they're like, no, no, nobody is going to know how to do this. Just because, because, just because you have been showing forever in the LARP community, there aren't books out there like this with these patterns in here. Can you please include that? I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I drafted and created an entire, you know, cape pattern that could be scaled up for any body, body size. And, and put that, and that was kind of a last minute addition to the book that I was like, okay, let's get this done and was frantic about it. So I love it. That's I, felt, awesome. I felt very accomplished. I was like, yes, I can do stuff. I did a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny and awesome. I love that. Thank you, Llewellyn, for saying uh, you need to add this. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. What, so what is your favorite thing about writing specifically specifically I like this is weird but I like the physical act of writing I like when I am either writing with pen and paper or if I'm typing it feels really good like my body's like yes this is what you're supposed to be doing it's kind of similar but different from uh, when I'm sewing and both of them end up with something that is in my head that then comes out and is uh apparent for the entire world so it's you know magic basically just you know uh with parts that you can see <laughs> yeah no that's 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 exactly what it is is I like the fact that I that you know physically it feels good but also that it's it's a magic it is isn't it so professor Dumbledore said that words are all words Words are hard. He didn't say that. He said, words are, are our most, Jesus. Let me try that again. Never mind. I quit. I quit. Um, <laughs> Professor Dumbledore <laughs> says, words are our most inexhaustible, in, inexhaustible resource of magic. Jesus criminy. Uh, that was a shit show. Excuse my language. <laughs> Normally I would take that out, but I might just leave it in because goodness me. All right. Uh, 
that just threw me way off. Okay, so you recently uh, just released a new book, uh, The Scent of Lemon and Rosemary, and it is a guide of working domestic magic with Hestia. Um, Hestia is not somebody that I even knew really existed, which I'm ashamed of. The Greek pantheon is, is not normally one that I work with. I work more with the Celtic uh, deities, but I started reading this and Hestia is exactly who I should be working with. <laughs> so I started um, doing some of the little, uh, the like I wrote down my version of Hestia in my brain. I have it next to my bed. Um, and it's just such a cool thing. And the other day, my friend Tabitha said to me, um, Amberly, have you ever worked with Hestia? Because that's really who you should be working with. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, guess what? <laughs> so that was really, really cool for me because she just keeps kind of popping up in my life now that I know, now Excellent. that I know she's a thing. I say that, I'm sorry, Hestia. Now that I know that she is a deity, she really does keep popping up. So that's really interesting. My husband just pulled up, so I'm actually going to mute myself and I'm going to ask you a question first. Um, okay. What is, what was the inspiration behind uh, the scent of lemon and rosemary? Oh, um, <clears throat> so it's, it's kind of funny. Like a lot of people say, I've never even heard of Hestia or who is Hestia. Uh, it's, you know, it, there is no shame in not knowing uh, about her because she is, it's very strange for the kind of deity and for the importance that she had to uh, ancient Greeks, the fact that she's kind of been overshadowed by the rest of the pantheon is something that's kind of weird, but also I think something that is pretty on brand for her as being like this foundational uh, deity or this support that's in the background, something that you don't think about uh, but is always there. Um, I have been working with Hestia for a long time. And when I had, so which had been come out and I was like, no, I, I really would like to work on my writing here. And I had been doing a lot of meditative work with Hestia and she kind of just was like, hey, you know what, maybe you should write about me and write about the stuff that you work with me on. And uh, I was like, okay, yeah. And uh, part of it also came out from the fact that I started, this was all around the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, where the pandemic hit, uh, started. And so this idea of making a safe home and working with Hestia to make a safe home just was, I think it was just kind of uh, partly a reaction to partly just inspired by what was going on where everything fit, doesn't feel safe now. And not only that, but now we are stuck in our houses where that may or may not be a safe space. And some people are stuck in, in, their, in their houses where they may not have spent a lot of time because they've always been working. So that all just kind of coalesced in this idea of making this book where um, it was kind of, one uh, person described it as a witchy home economics book, which I love that descriptor because that is really gets to the heart of what I was trying to do is, look, let's, let's bring magic and our practice into our daily lives 
And we spend a lot of time in our homes, even if it's just sleeping. And that is tends to be the easiest way to incorporate your magic and your practice into your life so that it becomes not a compartmentalized thing that you go and you do at your altar, you go and do a spell on the full moon, but you sweep your floor. And when you're sweeping your floor, you're also mindful of, I am also sweeping out, I'm cleansing, or I am cooking and I am putting these herbs in my in my meal to bring prosperity and health to my family, stuff like that, where my, my big, what I really want is I want uh, people to see, to, I, I, I want to close that gap between this is my magic path life. This is my mundane life. I love that. Uh, yeah. Uh, our ancestors didn't have those boundaries, really. They didn't have those lines between stuff. And Heste is, um, I feel like, a very good patron and guide for that because she was like, no, it's it's about not only just the house, the, the microcosm of the house, but also the macrocosm of the community. Yes. Yeah. Actually, that was one of the things that I loved the most about your book. It's, it's compartmental, not compartmentalized, but you know, it's, it's about the house, but it's also about how you uh, affect your community and the things that you do at home also affect outside the home. I really, really love that. And the idea of bringing magic into every day life, like every moment, I really, it resonates a lot with me because when I originally started the hearth and hedge, it was actually going to be a completely different business. And we were going to do like a family website that was about bringing magic into your everyday life and, and just living with intention and in everything that you do. So I really appreciate that point of view that you brought into this book. And I know, so you don't have to talk about this on here if you don't want to, but um, in the book, you discuss a little bit about Hestia was talking to you before you really started working with her during mm-hmm. a, a hard time in your life. And I have had hard times in my life just like that. Uh, So I thought it was interesting that you weren't ready to bring her into a situation, into the situation that you were in, you were waiting. Um, And I I was wondering why uh, you decided that you wanted to wait to bring her into your home when you were in a more, when you were in a better situation. Um, Yeah, no, so... I was in a uh, relationship in a marriage that was uh, very um, abusive, uh, not in the ways that we normally see, like physically and and verbally. It was uh, much more about control and financially abusive. And when I was going through that, I was spending a lot of my time navigating that and a lot of my attention was spent surviving it, uh, just, you know, keeping uh, my head up. But also then once I had my daughter, it was about, you know, taking care of of my daughter and myself so that it was, uh, and also um, when you're in an environment where you have a lot of your agency taken away, where you find yourself with, financial control, often you will find yourself without resources to, you know, again, I had a daughter uh, that pulled me out of the workforce, all of a sudden, you don't have 
money, resources, that sort of thing. I was living uh, far away from friends and family, so I didn't have even the support network that could help me get out of that. So at the time, I didn't have kind of the bandwidth and also having come out of, uh, while I had been a pagan and been um, not been uh, part of the Christian religion that I was raised in for a very long time, there still was a lot of that kind of sense of, you, you know, pray to God or, you know, relying on a power above me where I was like, look, this, that doesn't work for me. And I was hesitant to turn on, turn to some other, you know, when I first became pagan, I was like, I'm not, I'm not interested in worshiping God. I'm certainly not interested in worshiping a goddess. I was very much a non-theistic pagan for, for a while. So one of the nice things about my relationship with Hestia is, is that it was very much understood. Okay, you're not ready. So I'm going to sit over here and I'm going to be waiting with the cup of tea for when you're ready. And there's no judgment on that. Uh, so that when I finally found myself in a place that was uh, where I was not constantly having to be concerned about my you know, about having to be on edge or on guard all the time that all of a sudden I had extra uh, attention and, uh, you know, bandwidth spoons, that sort of spell slots, uh, all of that to then go, okay, now I'm ready to explore this uh, relationship and explore what this can, can be. And I think there may have been a tendency or a uh, temptation to get salty about it and be like, oh, well, I should have had somebody or something to be supportive of me during this hard time. But I've never felt that because part of it, especially for me, was important was that I got through that. And I got through that kind of on my own. It just took a really long time. (laughs) That's, that's really interesting. And I think that's like, it should be called like, residual religion or residual religious guilt or, you know, something like that. Because I think (laughs) a lot of us that were raised as Christians, like started out like, oh, it's, oh, you know, like (laughs) you feel really weird about changing. Yes. And it feels weird to, you know, it's when you reject a religion that you were raised in, to then embrace another religion often feels, I think sometimes like you are trading one shackle for another. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I understand there's lots of Christians that don't feel shackled and there's lots of pagans that don't feel shackled. That's not that religion is just for some people that can feel that way. Uh, and it kind of, for me, it took a while to kind of like do, um, a factory reset where yeah, I could, where you are, you just are the, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it felt like. It, it felt like I had to let all that flush out. Uh, and I had to come back to zero so that I could approach, uh, this new way of building, being this new path, these new relationships with the unseen, uh, and the spiritual on a level that wasn't, didn't have those leftovers. Right. I just realized I have not been using my regular mi- microphone this whole time. I've just been putting it in front of my face. Like I was talking into it. It's fine. Hopefully there, <laughs> hopefully the recording sounded better than it might've, which is okay. Well, it, sounds, it sounds fine in my ears. So okay, great. <laughs> 
It is. It, it does sometimes feel like one shackle for another. And for sure, I mean, obviously everybody's religious experience, religious. I just, today is just not my, my speaking day. Uh, <laughs> but everyone's religious experience is different. This is something I ask all of my, all of my witches, because I don't always interview witches, but when did you first identify as a witch? Was it like an aha moment or did it just kind of creep up on you? I, I felt, I always felt witchy. I felt witchy as a kid, even as a little kid, I could feel magic and I was like, I'm a witch, uh, which did not go over great when you're being raised Baptist. Um, <laughs> there were, I, I distinctly remember a time at, I went to church camp for many, many years. And I distinctly remember one time at church camp being like, I'm saying I'm a witch and people being like, well, you know, in the Bible, they say to kill witches. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this is that. This is not the religion for me, but I don't think I really, so there were years where that was just kind of tamped down and, and then, you know, going through, like, I think that a lot of people who leave Christianity or leave religion uh, have a set of time where they're like, I am totally skeptical and I'm a atheist or agnostic and nothing you know there is no magic and there's no spiritualism there's none of this it's just this is what it is and so you go through like a couple years where you're just like no I'm not believing in anything and it just kind of slowly crept back into my life uh to the point where I could reconnect with that those feelings from when I was a kid but it still took a while it wasn't until really until I until the book was published, uh, so witchy that I was able, I felt comfortable uh, stating out loud, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a witch. And, you know, if there are people who roll their eyes at that, well, you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> Sorry, you're not as magical as me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. I, I always like to hear the, the story of how you became a thing, you know. This is a new question, but I think I'm going to start asking this of all of my witches, but what are three things in your magical closet that you must have? Like three things that you just feel you have to have as a witch. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, let's see. So right now, uh, the things that I constantly turn to are needles, dandelions, and I've got a little clay Willendorf figurine that I've had for years and years and years. And those three things, uh, they tend to be the things that I use the most in any kind of magic that I'm doing. What do you use the dandelions for? Um, the dandelions, <laughs> all the dandelions I have are ones that my kids pick for me so oh. I have my kids are they know that dandelions are my favorite they've known for years and they will always come home I'm like my daughter's 17 and she still will come home and be like I found these dandelions for you so I dry oh. them all the time I know uh and I and I just because I'm very you know silly I have a hard time 
throwing things away. Also, giving gifts is one of my love languages. So I dry them all and I use them uh, when I'm doing any kind of magic for my family because oh. they are so infused with love that uh, whenever I'm doing any, like when I'm doing my, uh, you know, sachets for like today, we discovered my son has COVID, which means all of us have COVID. Uh, yeah, we were, we were being very careful, but the schools uh, required kids to go back. And so he went back for a week and we're like, oh, yay, we caught this. So as I'm going to be doing my um, protective and healing magic tonight, I'm going to be including the dandelions. I have leaves and I have um, the flowers. And yeah, every time I do anything that involves any of us, my family or uh, extended family, I always put that in there because for me, they are so infused with love that I can then put a little bit of my love into my spells. Well, I will tell you that uh, this evening, myself and my my coven will also be sending you some protective magic. Oh, thank you. That is a big deal. Um, And I I hope that it's everybody just goes through with some sniffles. I Um, hope so too. (laughs) But yes, my coven will definitely, we'll all get together and do that. We've been, thank you. We've been taking turns giving each other, you know, COVID (laughs) healing magic. Yeah, horrible, and I'm I'm sorry to laugh about it, but it's just just, no. At at this point, you yeah, you you gotta laugh. Yeah. Um. My my final big magic question. Okay. Is what is one thing that you wish you knew about magic, about being a witch, about uh, any of this when you first started, really on this path as a witch? that it is not, that there isn't just this set, these set rules. And by that, I mean, um, like with correspondences, they, you know, the correspondences are set in stone and you have to have these particular ingredients or these particular things in order for your spell to work. Um, That comes from very much having grown up in an American patriarchal capitalistic society where there is very much this emphasis on uh, information and knowledge comes from higher up and is disseminated out and that there is information and there's knowledge that has been set down by people and that's it that's that's the knowledge and so everybody needs to know that I spent a lot of time not being spontaneous, not being creative, because I believed, oh, well, you know, this is, this is how it is. If you don't follow X, Y, Z, I think this also comes from the idea from, you know, having grown up Christian where it's, you know, the Bible and the Bible, you know, is treated as infallible. And especially, you know, in the last 30, 40 years where you have very much this taking the the words literally so this idea that you can't no experimentation there's no I love your dog he's behind you just sniffing your head he's awesome uh sorry I got distracted by dogs but that's that's it is that I wish I had known that it is totally okay to be to not read books to not take books at you know that they're literal and that they are set in stone and all that information is just that you have to follow this these formulas 
Right. Um, I actually, so when I first started uh, ages ago, okay, I love you too, honey. You're very cute. Um, ow. <laughs> He's still a puppy. Uh, he just turned a year old. He just wants my attention. Uh, <laughs> and this is what we do. He's like, let me put mm-hmm. your hand in my mouth and okay, I'm fine. Um, anyway, when I first started, you know, the books that, that we read in the nineties were like Silver Ravenwolf and, and DJ Conway. And, uh, I'm not saying those are bad books because I still own them. I still read them. Mm-hmm. I still love them, but they were very like, you must have this. So I, yeah. I, I agree with you. It would have been nice to know because I probably, Roxanne, um, I probably would have gone about my practice differently because now it's like, oh, I have a white candle and I have this quartz and, you know, some rosemary. Okay. I can do whatever I want with it. Cause I'm going to tell it what I want it to do, you know? Right. So, yeah, I think knowing that you can put your intention in anything, uh, is really, I think you're right. Like, I agree with you. That's what I'm trying to say to you. I agree. <laughs> Well, thank you, Rachel, so much for coming today. I've really, really. Oh, thank you for having me. I know it was a long time coming. We tried in what, December (laughs) (laughs) and then, and then the snowstorm happened and yeah. And then today we almost didn't make it. So I'm, I appreciate your patience, your patience with my dog. That's growling at me. I really look forward to talking to you about your next book when it comes out. Oh, yes. That will be, uh, I am working on the third book. So sometime soon there'll be. Any sneak peeks for us? Um, it is a Will of the Year Sabbath craft book. Oh the my whole, God. Yeah, it's going to have rituals. It's going to have um, crafts, altar ideas uh, for the entire Will of the Year. Um, the, the, the idea behind it being similar with my other books of bringing all of that into your life, making it uh, more part of your life than just, okay, we're, you know, we set up for one day and then we go. So it's, it explores how the wheel of the year moves and what you can do to celebrate that all the time, as opposed to just one day a year sort of thing. I'm so excited. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> uh, the next Sabbath is coming up February 2nd. Yep. Do you yep. have any, do you have any ideas for us what we can put on our altar for Imbolc? Um, I'm all about candles for in bulk. Uh, it is, you know, bringing the light back, celebrating that the light, that things are, the light is getting, the day is getting longer, that uh, it's all coming back. And so I, um, my favorite thing to do is uh, turn off all the lights throughout the entire house. And I have a candle in each room and we go from one candle to another, just lighting each one until every room has a candle lit in it and, is bringing that, uh, you know, welcoming back the lengthening days and, oh my God, let's not have any more winter because I don't like winter. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you, Rachel. I really, really thank you. Um, I know those were just kind of sneaky, sneaky questions, but I liked adding them in. Uh, Do you have any uh, social media um, pages that you would like to share with us? Um, yes, I do. Uh, I am on Instagram. You can find me at idiorhythmic, uh, which is, I know a weird word. Uh, it means to live by one's own life patterns. Um, but you can find me on all my social under idiorhythmic. Um, I also have a Patreon where I am, uh, posting articles, doing workshops. I 
we'll be having a workshop on magical hope protection that I ran last night and I'll have the uh, video of that up uh, later this month. So, um, and that'll have like little sneak peeks of my writing and everything, but um, Instagram and Facebook uh, and my website, uh, just look for Idiorhythmic, you'll find me and I can write it for you out so that you can put it in yeah, I'll put it, I'll have all that for everyone in the show notes. Um, <laughs> and we absolutely can't wait to uh, to see your next book. Excellent. But I'm Thank actually so really glad that we had such a, such a hard time because this was the best interview I've had because I've been able to see you. Oh. <laughs> um, so I might do this more. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining me today. As usual, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Hearth and Hedge, and you can reach us via email at thehearthandhedge.com. A special thanks to KSBR Music on Fiverr for our intro and to L12 Graphics for all of our graphics needs. See you next time.